This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to 95.7 The Game. We have hit the bell lap. We're taking this thing home. Evan Giddings and Dan Devon. Are you a runner by chance? Uh, I tr- I try to be. I attempt to be. Oh, that's yeah. right. You're out there in the park, running out there by the beach, and then you live in sort of the Golden Gate Park area, and you're running all over that place. I kind of have a cutoff at six miles, so if it's three miles from my apartment, I live kind of like Coal Valley, middle of the city, so I can get to just about any part of San Francisco from my house. If I can run there, and it's less than three miles, which gets me to about the Golden Gate Bridge, I'll get it done. See, that's why I like my man, Ev. Ev? Probably the only other personality here at 95-7 the game that I know of that lives in the city proper. In the city limits. We're going down with this place. With the sewer, the rats, and everything else that's wrong with this city, man. That's who we are. Brian, my man, I want to get in the glass. Brian, who is obviously Bridge and Tunnel. We won't, we won't talk about... Uh, oh, no, I just want to... Cam, are you going to answer for him? Do you, uh, are you a runner? Cam's a camper. It, it all depends on what it is and what I'm running for. Exactly. Working out, of course, I'll run. Ice cream truck, I'll run there too as well. <laughs> Good answer, my man. Good answer. That because that's me. I'm not one of those that just gets up and saying, I need, I don't know, I want to work out, I want to burn some calories. Let me just go run. Like that is not in my DNA. I'm running for one of two things. Someone's chasing me, or I'm chasing somebody, or when I was playing. You know, coach would say, Devon, run. You jumped off sides, run laps. We'll tell you when to stop. Or, Devon, you know, running was always a penalty. On the line. I would never voluntarily just say, ooh, let me go run. Let me go run a half marathon. What are you, nuts? No one does that. See, no one should do that. Dan, I'm glad you listened. I'm glad you didn't say I'm going to run from a bear. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> and you called on me. I'm, the only time call. I'm running is probably when I'm on a treadmill or when I'm playing basketball, full court. Anything else, can't stand running. Well, a court, I mean, Brian's like, again, Brian's seven foot five. So his steps, I mean, he can go half the city in half the time because yeah, right? he doesn't have to worry about it. So I understand that for, for, for you, running may not be you know, necessary, but for us uh, average height folk to below average, some of us got to figure out how to get some pep in our step. But running, I wouldn't call running in basketball. Like, I could do that too. But running in basketball, you're not necessarily running. It's stopping and starting. And maybe you got to get out in a break and fill a lane and you're running. But it's not so quote unquote conventional running. Like, Brian. you can be Luka Doncic, which is, which is a guy who sometimes runs and exactly. sometimes doesn't. Yeah, yeah, right. 
Luca right now, I guarantee you, is eating something high caloric and washing <laughs> it down with like four beers. God bless that man. Yeah, and then just Serbian before training camp. Quadruple IPA. <laughs> oh. All right, we want to get into the San Francisco 49ers. Speaking of running, we were talking, I thought this was so, somewhat interesting. Debo Samuel, obviously, is the go-to for, this, for the 49ers when you're talking about wide receivers. Now, I'm assuming he's going to get that contract, and when he comes back to camp, you know, he, along with Jimmy Garoppolo, they were on the same page. And usually every team has that one wide receiver and the quarterback that's sort of that 1A guy. Right, that's my guy. That's who I'm looking. When I get in my drop, I go through my progressions. I'm looking at him first, and there's a relationship that develops. Right, there's the sort of it's nuanced. And are we beginning to see some sort of a shift now that Jimmy Garoppolo is out of the picture? Trey Lance is now your starting quarterback. I don't know, or maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Will he have the same rapport with Debo Samuel? But because according to all reports. He and one Brandon Ayuk seem to have developed this relationship and work out during the offseason. So could that entire dynamic be shifting? I think it could be because most people, based on last season, would identify Debo as the clear-cut number one. But I think that's also because we didn't see him play a full season until last year. And that, to me, is the biggest concern with, with Debo it's interesting because when he was just used as a wide receiver only, he had some kind of injury issues, rookie, sophomore season. Now his third year, he gets a chance to run the ball, and somehow he still is able to stay upright and healthy the majority of the year. I don't think it's unfair to say when he began running the football on more of a full-time basis, the 49ers began to win. I was there at the Monday night game against the Rams when they started to really feature him in the backfield a lot, and they took off from there. So Debo, to me, is is the one. Whether you want to say that Trey feels more comfortable throwing to Ayuk mm-hmm. is fair. And to me, but to me, before we get into that, the question is, how much is is Debo worth? I mean, based on the market, he's about a $25 million a year player. But if I'm the 49ers, and I get Debo wants to get every penny because you never know in this game when your career could be over. But if I'm the 49ers, I'm saying, well, 25 is based on you getting the ball in the backfield. Like, I'm giving you 25 million. So you said 25 million as a wide receiver. As a wide receiver hybrid. Exactly. You also need to run the football because if you really are about winning, that I, and I think Debo is. Yeah. Debo wants to win. He wants the ball. He's gone to Kyle Shanahan and has asked for the ball. He wants it. Caught but, on a live mic in the playoffs against Dallas. Give what, me the ball. What's the easiest way for you to get the ball? It's not through the air. It's for me to turn you in the backfield, hand it off to you, you do your thing. So if you don't want to do that as Debo Samuel, I have to, as as a front office executive, as a media member, as whoever, I have to look at you a little bit differently. I know Eric Crocker from the 49ers Lockdown Podcast came on earlier and said that Debo, even without the running, is still a 1,400, 1,500-yard-a-season receiver. But... He adds so much that you as a defense have to think about when he's in the backfield that, I, to me, it's I need you to run the ball. Whether it's five times, whether it's ten times, I need other teams to at least know that you're a threat. Like in the Super Bowl, uh, it's 99-2000, Terrell Davis, right? He's, he's got problems with his eyes. But Shanahan walks up to him and says, Migraine hey, headaches, yeah, actually. He's got yeah. migraines, right. So he says, hey, man, I, I know you can't see. I know you can't run the ball, but we need you out there because we may know that you can't get the ball, 
but they need to know that you're on the field. I need the other defense to know that Debo Samuel is at least a threat mm. of getting the football on the ground, even if it doesn't equate to like you know 15 carries a game. Man, I love you. The fact you're bringing up Terrell Davis, I guarantee you, you weren't even alive during that Super Bowl. I was six. <laughs> but you're, you're absolutely right. Here's the rub, though, I think. I don't think it's Debo Samuel. You're right. Debo Samuel's a football player. Just give me the damn ball. Yeah. I think it's his agents that are blowing in his ear. Like, we cannot have you be a guy that's carrying the ball this frequently. Why? Because you're going to be susceptible to injuries. And I think that when you think about football, and he's a football player, that I just want the damn ball, let's go, let's play. And then there comes free agency, and then there comes getting paid. Because when you're a star player and you come into this league, the first conversation you have with your agents, one of the first conversations is, listen, we got to hit free agency twice. So it's about longevity. That's the goal. At least get there twice. You're going to get paid, all right? You're going to make get paid the first time. You're going to get paid even more the second time. That's sort of the template for young players coming into the league. So from that prism, they often think about sustainability. How do I get there? How do I become a free agent? How do I still become an impactful, relevant football player? When we know the shelf life in the NFL, probably much shorter than that of any of the other big three sports. And so as a running back, when you look at it simply from the economics, it doesn't add up to the agents and the guys that see this from a dollars and cents. But from the football perspective, yes, if I'm the 49ers, you sign that contract, don't you dare put in a provision as to how many times I can give you the football. Yeah. Because your worth to me is with the ball in your hands. Now, it could be on a hitch. We'll throw it to you in the right flat, or we could give it to you on an end around, or we're going to put you in that backfield and give you the ball going off right tackle over a right end. But that's up to our discretion because you are, a, you are most effective to the San Francisco 49ers with the ball in your hand when we're on offense. And nothing, there's no contract in the world that you can implement some sort of a fine line in the print in the bottom of the contract that we're not going to do that. Otherwise, you have no worth. If you just want to line up as a wide receiver, well, I'm not giving you $25 million. And I'm not, certainly you're not, I don't regard you as one of the top tier wide receivers. People have always talked about his route running, which has never been that good. You talk about the route tree. There is like, I think Keenan Allen's at the top, Tariq, Di- Tariq Hill. There's all these guys. Cooper Cup, I think, yeah. has the best, most precision in terms of route running. Debo's never, ever been that guy. What he is is a football. It's not a knock on him. I think he's better than all those dudes. He's a, he can foot- be. He's a football player. So I don't think that you can put any asterisks around that. No, and I also, to address the Comcast business text line, the 510, you can't risk him getting injured. I'm not championing using him as much as even they did last year. And definitely not more. All I'm saying, like Debo, he's not RB1. He's not RB2. He may not even be RB3 based on the depth chart that we've seen from the Niners come out, and that will clear itself heading into training camp. But there needs to be some package, some situation where... Maybe it's on third down, and maybe like you mentioned, Dan, Debo isn't the guy that can get open in a phone booth. Like He's not the guy that you can just throw the ball to on third down and say, I don't care if it's single, double, Like he's getting open. Trey Lance, you only have one guy to look at. But if you can get him the ball in critical situations, and, it, and it's not hard, then you can, you can just be so much more creative. And I also think Shanahan, along with the rest of the coaching staff, they understand what they have as far as 
a potential fragile piece if you're overusing him at running back. Last year, to me, was more of necessity as far as bringing him out of the backfield, but I don't want to lose that because if I'm, a, if I'm an opposing team, Debo's the number one. But if I got to account for him on the outside, in the slot, in the backfield, along with everything else that Shanahan throws at you pre-snap and much more, like that's another added level to his bag of tricks that he can go to, and it makes the offense that much more dynamic, especially in a season when we don't really know what Trey Lance is going to give you. He could be fantastic. He could be Justin Herbert a la 2020, but he also could be Justin Fields from last year. And so you give him a different weapon, a different uh, dynamic way to use his best offensive weapon, that to me is a plus. And I need you as Debo Samuel, I need you to do that for me to be okay with paying you $25 million. Yeah, and the other thing becomes if you line him up in the backfield, much like that at Tariq Hill. Listen, Tariq Hill gets into a certain percentage of pass plays. But more often than not, he's, as they like to say, taking the lid off, right? He's running a 70-yard post just so that he can draw the double team, just so that linebackers get into this their deep drops. And all this is done by design so that they clear out underneath, right? And Kansas City would want to throw underneath. Tariq, we need you to clear it out. Just run because you're going to draw a crowd. I'll give you the basketball analogy. How many times do we see three guys run to the corner to go guard Steph Curry as he's coming off a pin down, which leaves a wide open cutter to the basket? And the Golden State Warriors did that more effectively than anybody in the NBA. As it relates to Debo Samuel, if you put him in the backfield, how much more now do I have to think about as a linebacker or as a defensive lineman in terms of my keys? I got Debo back there. I know Trey Lance might take take off. They got Elijah Mitchell back there. What is it that they're going to do? So he becomes now sort of a, a pawn in all of this. You don't have to necessarily give him the football, but there is that element that you might. And after what he did a year ago, now, because this is all, it's a chess match when it comes to football games and especially defenses. Now I've got to think, or you have now relegated one player who's maybe just a, exclusively a spy on Debo Samuel. And so to to that point, it works to the 49ers' advantage where you have someone like that of Debo now that is creating a double team or is creating this extra level of thinking in terms of the options that you have as an offense for the 49ers. And this hybrid option of Debo Samuel is the monster that they created. Like, I totally understand him wanting, maybe not provisions, but wanting him some extra money for the way that they're going to use him because he could be kind of their... You know, there's uh, In basketball, it's like, how much do you dominate? Well, your usage rate, right? How much do you dominate the ball? Well, Debo Samuel, outside of the quarterback, could be the guy that touches the ball the most. And I also get that positional value is seen as greater at the wide receiver position, but that's also because of the shelf life of that position. And Debo Samuel, I'm not saying the 49ers need to get as much out of him as possible. That sounds demeaning. But that's I, I guarantee that's kind of how they're looking at it. They're like, dude, okay... There are only so many Julio Joneses. There are only so many guys that can play wide receiver into their 30s. And even Julio Jones has fallen off at age, you know, 33, 34. He's been hurt a lot the last couple of years. The position at running back, that shelf life is short. It's also short-ish at the wide receiver position. So if I'm the 49ers, I want to maximize this winning window. And that demand that you can make the argument that Debo Samuel at this point is more important than Trey Lance. I know it sounds crazy to think that it all revolves around the quarterback, but if you can pencil in 1,800 yards, 
however you get it. If you can pencil in 15 touchdowns on the ground, through the air, whatever, that is extremely valuable, and that allows for everyone. It takes so much pressure off of everyone else. We're talking about baseball earlier. If you have a middle-of-the-order dominant bat, that takes so much much pressure off of everyone else in the order— and if you're Debo Samuel, you can alleviate some of the pressure off of Ayuk. You can alleviate some of the pressure off of the rest of the running backs. And sure, I, I think he should be compensated for that. But if he's not even listening, or maybe not him, I apologize, his agent doesn't want to hear that, then as as Lynch, as Shanahan, as whoever's making the decision about dollar figures, I got to say, okay, well, if, if you don't want to be used 100% of the way that we want to use you, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dock you a million here. Yeah, I'm you, have to you're, dock you're a devalued. Here. Yeah, you don't have the same value if you don't want to run the football, especially because of how creative Shanahan is. And I know that the the running back, um, you know, stigma is that it, it's short. But Debo, even when he's in the backfield, sometimes is also used as a wide receiver. He comes out of the backfield. He can make catches from behind the line of scrimmage. Just because he's not on the outside doesn't mean they can't necessarily use him as a pass catcher out of the backfield. I just feel like there's a there's a different level to the 49ers offense that they can get to when Debo is a dual threat as opposed to when you're just looking at him he's like okay, Debo's on the outside. No. You're absolutely right. And when you think about last year in the playoffs, he was better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He was their offense. I mean, there were times in the Dallas game and Los Angeles that it was Where's Debo? What's Debo going to do? He even threw for a touchdown for crying out loud. Yeah, He was their offense. He was more effective than Jimmy Garoppolo. And if I'm the 49ers, you, you, you bitch your ass I'm giving him the football. But if, if he gets into a groove, you know how that works when running backs in a certain series are on, in rhythm, lock and step with the offensive line, and you're on a nine, eight play drive, and you're, churn, you're getting five, seven yards a pop, and you keep feeding this guy because you, you just got this thing in sync. It's like a chorus line. And if he happens to be in the backfield, they're going to continue to feed him, feed the beast. They're not going to get away from that saying, oh, you know what, that's too many. Uh, we got to think about you know his longevity. No. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch think of this from one perspective, and that is to win football games. And what's who gives us the best player? Who on our team – who in our personnel will give us the best opportunity to win football games? Agents are looking at it from a longevity, and hence is the collision. But the 49ers, maybe this is sort of the hang-up, because the dude, he's here in town, and you know training camp starts in a matter of hours, and he's still not signed. But the 49ers, rest assured, there's no way will they back down or put in any level of sort of literature in a contract that Debo Samuel can only carry a football a certain amount of times during a game or throughout an entire season. That is illogical if I'm the 49ers. That's a non-starter, quite frankly. Yeah, and I'm glad, I, I'm glad you brought up the, the concept of rhythm because that's something that also I think is, is a part of the wide receiver position. I, I think that's the reason why, and I know that much was made about Ayuk being in the doghouse last year at the beginning of the season, but also you know when you're talking about drops and you know not being used much like a rhythm as far as getting the ball is also valuable. And so when I'm I'm looking at Ayuk now, like Ayuk at the beginning of last season, it took him a while to get to get going. And so you just want to have, to me, you want to have as many options on the table as possible. 
I want to know that I have the option to give the ball to Debo in the backfield. I want to know that I have the option to give it to Ayuk on the outside, to turn around and hand it to Elijah Mitchell, to give it to George Kittle. Like, you limit yourself when you say that, or when, when Debo or his agent says, I don't want to be used like X. That limits your offense. And I think that it also could potentially spark some sort of internal dissension of like, well, okay, well, if, if Debo doesn't run, want to run the ball, then as a running back, like, why should I be asked to, to do all the dirty work? Like, why do I have to block so much? Or what, it, he's not getting me the ball? Like, okay, listen, Trey Lance is a rookie. There's going to be a lot of question marks internally surrounding Trey Lance because I know everyone hates maybe Jimmy G on the field, but off the field, the one thing he never did was separate the locker room. He never outed a guy. He never would throw anyone under the bus. And I don't think Trey Lance will do that. He seems like an amazing individual off the field. But as a rookie, they're naturally going to, not a rookie, pardon me, second-year player, first full season, there are going to be question marks from the team about him and his skill set that, in a weird way, didn't necessarily apply to Jimmy because Jimmy was a veteran. There's more trust in a guy that's been around the game and has been in different locker rooms as opposed to this young man and Trey Lance who they're throwing the world at and expecting a playoff, uh, you know, a playoff appearance or whatever expectation you have for him. There are going to be questions. There's expectations in that locker room around Trey Lance. And so if you don't have every single option available to you, and Trey messes up here or messes up there because he doesn't have even the chance to use his best weapon in the broad ways that you can, that can that could hurt him. That could hurt Trey Lance. And that's the one thing that you can't have as the 49ers are moving into this season is any sort of, I mean, with just so much on Trey Lance, like you need him to be at his best. Mm. And Debo's a big, big part of that. Text line. If you treat Debo like that, good luck ever signing another wide receiver free agent. That's the hook. There are no other wide receivers <laughs> like that of Debo. That's the point. That's why he's being treated like that. There are no wide receivers that can do what it is that he does in terms of running the football from the backfield, which is why they are in this, for lack of a better term, this conundrum. And by the way, if he didn't run the football last year with the 49ers, let's just say he lined it, he lined up out wide in the slot, although he's never in the slot. Let's just say he lined out in the conventional wide receiver, never took a snap all year long. Do you think his price tag as a free agent would be as high? And the mm. answer to that would be no. We're going to continue with the Debo talk, get you ready for the beginning of camp. 49er football, and whatever it is that's on your mind, We'll discuss next as we wrap up the show here. Evan Giddings and Dan Avone on a Sunday here on 95.7 The Game. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to 95.7 The Game. It is Alan Stiles and, I'm sorry, it is my man Evan Giddings and Dan Devone. Uh, as we come to you on a, you know, I was trying to see, you know, that's the one thing. If you, I don't know if you meditate but you learn to do, or if you're a Buddhist, you do one thing and you do it well. Now, I know there's probably a lot of people out there I just offended that are true Buddhists because I know there's much more depth to the religion. But I'm just I saying. I live with a Buddhist, by the way. You can't multitask. Mm-hmm. Too many people do it. Too many people are on their phone trying to drive. Too many people are trying to have multiple conversations. Do one thing, knock it out, and then go on to the next. And I was trying to type in and go to a story while introing the show, and I just. Butchered it. Well, I do want to give credit to Alan because Alan comes in with an, an energy, an emotion that a lot of times I feel like I, I could use a little bit more of. And so today I got my five cups of coffee. I'm all jacked up on caffeine. And, uh, you know, I got my cup of Joe. Shout out to Joe from SF who got me real riled up earlier. So <laughs> I, I'm trying up, to bring that Alan Styles energy to the air today. So the women, and I'm talking about the United States women's is it the uh, 4 by 100 relay? And they pulled one of the biggest upsets as we just sort of span the globe here and get into this thing. As they pulled the stun over Jamaica in the 4 by 100 relay at the World Championships on Saturday. While the favored uh, men finished second after a sloppy uh, baton exchange, it was the women that were really the story as they, they knock off Jamaica. And I know that, obviously, in terms of headlines... Maybe it makes the back end of our show, but still, in terms of upsets, and of course, you know I cover that track and field. As this, you do. This goes right up to the very top. Well, let's say, yeah, the World Athletics Championships in Eugene, Oregon over the weekend. I have some ties to Oregon, so I was kind of keeping track of the event, and I know it's not the, the Summer Olympics, but this is where you kind of get an idea of who's going to be the next wave, the next crop of potential Olympians for the U.S., and in this case, Jamaica. And Jamaica is a country that, I mean, let's just put it bluntly, they dominate the sprinting events, whether it be individual, team-wise, men's and women's, they tend to dominate, especially on the women's side. And so for the U.S. to be able to win the 4 by one and take home first place, to me, kind of just got my mind thinking of like, well, I think that's a pretty big upset. You know, is, is, it, is it Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas? Is it you know, am I looking at uh, you know the 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 Colts or the the Jets beating the Colts? Joe Namath beating Johnny Unitas? <laughs> like, what are the biggest upsets that I can think of? And so that's kind of where my mind went off of seeing this. In my opinion, upset in U.S. beating Jamaica in the four by one hundred. So maybe we could open up some of the biggest upsets in sports. And I know that's sort of a general topic, but people have their favorites, and we talk about international play when you're talking about. Olympic competition. This wasn't the Olympics, but of course we go back to the United States beating Russia and the great call by the legend Al Michaels in Lake Placid, New York in that memorable, memorable victory, which by the way, a lot of people think that that was the gold medal. 
It was not. That was, they knocked Russia out. They had to beat, I believe it was Sweden, if I'm not mistaken. Sweden, yeah. And they had to beat Sweden, of course, to win the gold medal. I may have screwed that up, and we'll, we'll find out in a matter of moments. Yeah, I don't think it was the gold medal match. Finland. Right? I think yeah. it was Finland. I think they had to beat Finland. And I'm doing this all through, you know, having to study this stuff as a kid. Do we have the call by chance, Cam? Speaking of which, oh, let's go back to Lake Placid and the greatest call in the history of the Olympics. I'll keep that going, Cam, because that's what gets young men like that, Evan Giddings, wanting to do play-by-play for a living. Good job, Cam. But that is Al Michaels, who never did hockey, by the way. I was just about to say, that's the most impressive part of this to me, (laughs) is not the actual win, not that they took down the Russians, they beat communism, whatever the hell you want to talk about. It's the fact that Al Michaels had zero or little to none previous play-by-play experience and dominated with his voice on such a stage that is incredible to me. Like I, I've had the, you know, the the privilege of doing a couple of sports in which they're kind of throwing me into the ringer, water polo, for example. I don't know what the first thing about water polo, but to, and then I do my first game and I'm completely lost and I'm all over the place. And Al Michaels, yes, it's like he's been doing hockey for twenty years. You know, Al Michaels. Speaking of which, he has local ties, I believe, to Giant Games way back in the day. Actually, he started out in Hawaii. Who uh, I think he did the Hawaii Islanders. Way, way back in the day, and of course came out west to San Francisco, and then he moved on in his career, eventually got him to the networks and ABC. But he came back to San Francisco in 1989 in the Loma Prieta earthquake in the battle, the Bay Bridge battle. The Oakland A's were playing the San Francisco Giants in the 89 World Series, and of course the Bay Bridge goes down, and you have this epic earthquake, and of course it was blacked out. It was before the game took place, just prior to first pitch of that World Series game. Al Michaels was on the call. Al Michaels would win an Emmy for his performance the day of that earthquake. The way he was able to handle it, the way he was able to set the mood. Obviously, it was live. It was breaking news. But what was astonishing to me, he didn't win an Emmy as a sports broadcaster. He won the Emmy as a news anchor, a network news guy. Like He took... He took it from Ted Koppel or I don't know whoever was doing the news back in the day, the Walter Cronkite to the world. That's the versatility of this man, the ability to do what it is that he did. So a little Al Michaels knowledge, of course, going back in the day in that 89 Loma Prieta earthquake. All right. As we talk about, I don't even know what the hell we were talking about. Oh, upsets. Yeah, and to take it back to football so we can steer this thing back in the right direction. Of course, 2007, New York Giants beating the undefeated New England Patriots. That was another big upset that was coming along the text line that I saw, and that caught my eye for sure. You know, I'm just going to sort of deviate here. Just, just I'm going to digress, as they like to say. Can you win Super Bowls now with quarterbacks like Eli Manning, like Joe Flacco, like, or, or is it, do you need a Stafford? You know what I'm saying? Does it, do you need the Mahomes, a Stafford, or a Brady? The days of an Eli Manning or even Russell Wilson in his second year or even the likes of, of the before-mentioned uh, uh, Joe Flacco, guys were, who were good but not dominant 
the sport to me has sort of shifted since then, where it's so quarterback-centric. I don't know that the Eli Mannings and the Flaccos and even the Russell Wilsons and some of these other quarterbacks, the Trent Dilfers, if you can get away with that in this day and age. Well, the game has definitely shifted towards the aerial assault. I mean, I think a lot of the quarterbacks that you mentioned as far as being good but not great, I wouldn't put Eli in that category just because he's got two, and both of them so happen to be against the greatest quarterback of all time. But... The running game is not as prevalent as it used to be or as as relied on. You don't have those bell cow backs except for like Derrick Henry. And we've even seen some of the holes in that offense when you don't have a guy that can command the huddle, that can move the ball down the field in the situations where you need him to. So I am kind of with you there. I do think that we are moving away from that, that you, a quarterback is a position which you need. You need someone of a you know a top ten variety potentially to win a Super Bowl, I'm sure some 49ers fans would retort and say, "Well, Jimmy Garoppolo got us a ten point lead in the 2019 Super Bowl. I know you didn't yeah. win, but you were in a position to win with now a guy that people are saying hit the pike, like get out of here." So, I, I think that you can win if a guy has the the potential to play at an elite level, like Joe Joe Flacco for me, is the most interesting case study of all of these because while he is not, I know people joke around he's elite or whatever, he's not. He's, he's a good to average quarterback, right? But if you look at that playoff run and you look at the four games that they won to get to the Super Bowl, he, he, was, he was better than a lot of quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls and their playoff runs. I think it was like, you know, he threw nine touchdowns, one interception over that, that playoff run. And... So you, if you have a guy with the potential in him to be great, I think you can win. But obviously you need to be great in all three phases. And also, if you look at teams with great MVP-level quarterbacks, sometimes they get exposed as well. I'm looking at you, Aaron Rodgers. I'm looking at a guy that has been the MVP, has been considered the best quarterback, and still is as far as matting ratings and power rankings and all the other things that are concerned. He's the best quarterback left in the league, and yet you look at the last three or four playoff games he's played in that have been losses, and he's been very underwhelming. So I still think there are different ways to build your roster, to compete at a high level, to compete for a Super Bowl, but I am with you that you kind of you kind of do need a top 10 guy now more than ever. Yeah, but maybe we've gone too far in that direction because you know the text line points this out, that Stafford was a guy that lost in Detroit not until he gets a good defense, and you look at the way the 49ers do it. While we live in this day and age where it's all about the quarterback, while you're willing to pay for Kyler Murray, while you're willing to give $230 million guaranteed to someone like that, a Deshaun Watson, because you recognize you can't be relevant without those guys, or could you? Because along come the 49ers, and think about the San Francisco 49ers. If they go to a Super Bowl this year, and if they win a Super Bowl, I'm willing to bet, much like that of Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not, it's not going to be because... It's not going to be because Trey Lance was all pro and is thrown for 350 yards a game. It's not because Trey Lance is thrown for four touchdowns a game. If the 49ers go to a Super Bowl or an NFC Championship game this year, it will be because of what has been put in place in terms of the structure of how to win for the 49ers, and their model is defensive line, dominating, the defensive line, setting the tone. Secondly, I would say your running game, First and foremost, chewing clock, taking the ball and the pressure away from Jimmy Garoppolo and that of a Trey Lance. 
and whether it's Elijah Mitchell or is it Raheem Mostert back in the day when they went to the Super Bowl. And thirdly, even before Trey Lance, I would put George Kittle in a category of his own. If George Kittle is being George Kittle, where defenses have to worry about this guy, and George Kittle is this guy running, getting yards after the catch, and then maybe fourth in the pecking order, which is unheard of, when you think about quarterbacks or offenses that are built for 2022, I would put the 49ers, in terms of their ingredient for success, the quarterback might be number four in that pecking order. Then it's Trey Lance. Trey Lance being effective. But the 49ers do it a different way, and maybe that should be the template, and maybe other teams should sort of inherit and address the other side of the ball first, or as much as they do the quarterback position. I'm with you, which is why I am a little bit concerned about the 49ers entering this season. Because if you look at the last you know, non-Mahomes rookie or young quarterbacks to go deep into the playoffs earlier in their career and have success, I'm looking at two guys. I'm looking at Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger. And both of those guys had not only top three, but like potentially all-time historic defenses behind them, as well as a good running game to alleviate pressure off of the thrower. So I don't know if, like we talked to Eric Crocker earlier, he has some big concerns about the nickel position, the cornerback position, as well as strong safety. I also have concerns about the defensive line. I know he's not a big sexy name, but a guy like DJ Jones was pretty good against the run Mm. last year. Best in the NFL statistically. He's going to be gone. And the guy who's coming in for him, Javon Kinlaw, has yet to demonstrate that he can stay on the field for successive weeks for the majority of his season. So there are a lot of question marks at kind of all, not all three levels. I think the linebackers are pretty good. But there are question marks at every position on defense, which is, as we just discussed, a very key cog for a young quarterback who is trying to win as many football games as possible, but doesn't yet have the full picture put together. So, you know, if I'm looking at teams with great quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that have gone deep into the playoffs, I'm looking at defense, I'm looking at the running game. I think the 49ers have a pretty good solidified running backfield, but their defense has question marks, and that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think the more you can take away and alleviate in terms of the pressure from that of Trey Lance, the more effective you're going to be. Yeah. I remember Dak Prescott Probably his most effective year in the NFL was his rookie year. They had arguably the best offensive line. They had one of the best defenses. And he had one of the best receiving cores. And he also happened to have the rookie of the year in Ezekiel Elliott. So they did everything except have him get in a seven-step drop and try to throw the ball 20 to 25 yards down the field. That was the last option for Dak Prescott. And that was probably the last time they were collectively good as a football team. Let's get out to Moose, who's hanging out in San Jose and wants to uh, he wants to go after me. What do you got, Moose? Get him, Moose. Hey fellas. Hey Dan. I just I have I got a retort on what you said about maybe the Niners strategy being that their their fourth best player is the quarterback and, and I know that we've done they've done well with that and it works so far, but I don't think that's by design. I think it's foolish to go go off of that as a as a quality strategy. I, I still go back to your your best player on offense. I think your two best players, your, your pass rusher and your quarterback. You know, they, you, you have to have a guy. He's got the ball in his hands. Too much for him to be your fourth best player. Yeah, it's too much of a, um, it's too much of a between the ears position to say. And, and when I say best player, I'm not necessarily saying the, the, the six foot five, 260 pounds jack. I'm talking the athletic. I'm talking he makes the best decision 
at all of the key moments at all times on offense, that's got to be your quarterback. And I, I think the 49 if Kyle Shanahan thinks that Trey Lance is going to get by being the fourth guy, or, or and we clearly didn't get by with Jimmy being our fourth or fifth best player, uh, not to say that I'm ragging on Jimmy. I thought he was quality, but I just don't think that that's the correct strategy, and I, it clearly hasn't panned out in terms of uh, putting a ring on the finger in the last you know five years. So um, I think that they're trying to get that top ten quarterback, best best player on the team. We're just not able to not able to be there, and we've done well with what we have, but not good enough. Fair point, Moose, and well said. I would say when you go back to 2019, though, isn't that essentially the way they won when they went to a Super Bowl? That was when Bosa, and then you had DeForest Buckner. That's when you had that dom. And I mean that that was one of the most dominant defenses in the history of the NFL. People were making comparisons to that 49er defense and the Chicago Bears. And then secondly, I would say that running game just went nuts, which is why they took the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands in the playoffs and just said, "No, you're going to throw it seven, nine times this game because we're able to run a game, run the ball, and win games." I think it went defense, running game, and then maybe, I don't know, the quarterback. Or I, I felt that that was sort of the scope in terms of how we win football games when they went to a Super Bowl in 2019. I do think that Moose also has a fair point, and I think what he's, what he's trying to get at is that shouldn't be the way that yeah, what I you're talking it. about. I, I, hear I, I think what he's trying to say is your quarterback should be your best player, your pass rusher should be your second best player, and that's Understood. that's kind of his equation. But I but I am with you. I do think that I do think you can win without your quarterback being your best player. I know it it hasn't happened often, but just be just because the 49ers didn't win in 2019 doesn't mean that they couldn't have won the Super Bowl in 2019. And look, everyone remembers the winners. Everyone remembers the losers, but I mean, you could you could make a case that even like the the Rams this year. I, I know they ever they didn't have their quarterback and they got Stafford for Goff, but there's their best player on that team is Aaron Donald. I'm sorry, like Cooper Cup is just as important to me as as Matt Stafford as we saw by his ability yep. to get open against anyone. So it's not like your quarterback has to be you know at level 100 and your next best player can be at level 80. Like there can be some sort of you know, compromise in that spot. So I, I'm with, I'm kind of with both of you. Like I, I just think there's different ways to win. And right now, yeah, that's the key. Applying it to Trey Lance in this year. In the case of Trey Lance, there do need to be a lot of pieces around him that can alleviate pressure. I know people don't want to believe that there's any way that Trey Lance could be worse than Jimmy Garoppolo because who the hell, according to Niners fans, and a lot of them could be better than couldn't be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But they're going to be low points. They're going to be floors, sunken floors for Trey Lance this season. And those are the games that I'm looking forward to seeing. Can the Niners still win those games? Because when Jimmy was bad over the last you know three, four years, they found ways to win some of those games. When he was great, they found ways to win. The- so if Trey is not at his best, his team needs to pick him up. I don't know if they can do that yet, but I hope that question gets revealed over the course of training. Yeah, and I think that, again, maybe to my point, is that Trey Lance, I think in the perfect world, ideally will get to that point, to Moose's call, where he's a dominant quarterback. And that obviously if you have that balance where he's your best player or your second best player, you're, you're in a better space. But that's a lot to ask of a young quarterback who has who played as limited as he has. Yeah. 
So I guess my point, my original thinking as it applies to Trey Lance, if you have the ability, as Kyle Shanahan has proven, where you can protect him and maybe he hits his stride later in the year where you can open things up in terms of him giving him more responsibility as it relates to the offense. But I would, I would, I would use baby steps. And in order to do that and still be competitive and protect your quarterback and build his confidence – well, it's got to be right out of Kyle Shanahan's playbook, and that is your defensive line has got to be dominant. And then your back seven have got to be a lot better than they were at the beginning of last year. And I'm talking about you know, that defensive backfield. And then you got to be able to run the ball. And I think that if that's the case and you're winning games and Trey Lance is being effective, but he's not throwing it 30 to 35 times a game, I would think that would be ideal to start the season. So what would be a number in terms of – pass attempts or maybe a combined pass attempts, rushing attempts for Trey Lance, like you're thinking 20 to 30 kind of in that range? I would even take it lower than that. If he's throwing the ball 15 to 20, 15 to 18, I'm good with it. You know what that means to me is that you're running the ball. You're running the ball effectively. Now, 15 may not sound like a lot, but, I mean, if if the 15 times you're throwing it, it's you're going play action because you've effectively set up the run and you're getting into the seams to a kittle, you're getting – you know, you're throwing deep in routes to the likes of Brandon Ayuk. That's when you're effective. To me, the Kyle Shanahan running game is no joke. He does it differently. In a sport where it's so homogenous, right, everybody, everybody has a running attack. Like, I've been watching football my whole life, and it's essentially the same. Usually it's the running back that's pretty good. Rarely do you see a coach come along and implements a running attack that is, that is atypical and different from what it is the other 29 teams are doing. Like, that's innovation as far as I'm concerned. And that's on Kyle Shanahan. That handed down from his old man and Bobby Turner, and that's the secret sauce. That will always be there, right? And so the running attack, in order for Kyle Shanahan, and this goes back to his pops, in order for him, the Denver Broncos, and now the San Francisco 49ers, or it's Atlanta, they've got to be able to run the football because that's what he does better than any head coach in the NFL. So it starts with the run, which is going to set up Trey Lance, and then the defense, and I'm with you. I think there are more question marks with that defense, and they're on the offensive side of the ball, and that includes Trey Lance. And I think that if your defense isn't good, especially that defensive line, you're going to struggle regardless of where Trey Lance is at. Yeah, and, and I don't know if this Niners offense right now is equipped to score 25 to 30 points per game. Like they may need to win some of those twenty-one to seventeens or seventeen to fourteens. There may need to be may need to be a couple of those games where you that's the win or loss that gets you in and out of the playoffs. Because I know that the NFC is not as stacked as the AFC for sure, but I don't I don't see the 49ers as an 11-12 win team. So they may need to find a way to sneak in as a 10-win or a 9-win team. And when you're looking at how you're gonna go about getting those nine or ten wins. There's going to be some games where Trey Lance stinks. And there's going to be some games where Trey Lance is amazing. But when he stinks, how can you kind of guide, how can you help him towards victory? I don't know if the defense can do that as well as, at least on paper, the way I'm looking at him right now, that, that's where my biggest question mark you're, is. You ready to go with some football, man? It's been a while. 
I, mean, Dude, I can't wait. We'll be out there on Wednesday, actually. So, Are you? Yeah. Nice. Well, it's going to be fantastic. All right. I won't Hope be so. anywhere near that place, but I'll be doing a show here. I'll By the way, videos. you know, I'm looking in the glass, and I see my man Shamari Block. I can't hear him from one of the few times because he's behind the glass, but I see the gesticulating. I see the man just putting on his show, and I can't <laughs> hear him, which might be one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my entire life because I know he's there. I know the booming voice is in the building. I can see the hands flailing, but I can't hear him. But all of you will be hearing my man Shamari Block along with Kyle coming up in a matter of moments. How do you want to get out of here? What do you want to uh, anything? You want, you want me to call up Joe again so she can light him up? <laughs> well, he threw me for a sec when he said this is the Joe and we we're referencing Lakeup. And for a split second, my heart jumped. I thought that was Joe Lake. No, I swear to God, man, I go got pull. I got that kind of pull. Well, you got marinara sauce. Apparently, that's what <laughs> Joe's trying to get to you about. Hey, listen, man. I know you don't cook, young man, but the secrets to a good marinara sauce is that you got to get those chili flakes. And that's that's the key, right? Although I don't do, you know, you know the problem with marinara sauce, and you can throw me in the lake right now is because there's too much sugar in it. I'm all about insulin. Don't get me going when it comes to my <laughs> marinara sauce and my insulin levels. I'll go jump in the bay for you. All right, my man. Evan Giddings, it is, and I really do mean this. It's been a pleasure. We, Brian, you want us to take a quick call before we get out? Now nah, we'll get out. We'll all right, ya. Evan, let's uh, let's do it again real quick. For my man behind the glass, that would be Cam. And, of course, Brian, Shamari Block. I can't hear him, but I can see him. And Kyle is straight ahead here on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.